Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everybody, just before the episode starts, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Glass of Wine, which uh, kindly had me on as a guest recently. Um, That is Glass of Wine, spelled W-H-I-N-E. Highly encourage you to check it out. It's quite an enjoyable podcast where people drink wine together and complain about things. You know, what, what more could you want? The episode where you can find me is called Human Crackling because that is something that they talked about. Um, yeah, so that is found on the That's Not Canon Productions Network now, in terms of these discussion episodes, I'll be dropping them um, probably midweek uh, and then keeping the uh, therapy session episodes to the Friday night, Saturday morning-ish uh, release. And as always, go and uh, rate the podcast if you haven't done so already and you could be bothered and subscribe if you want to. Uh, enjoy the episode. Unless you are a very, very big and sensitive Trump fan, in which case, probably skip over this one. A That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Hi. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Therapy for Monsters. Today, we are doing another discussion episode. This time, we are discussing Donald Trump. One of our patients here. Uh, we have a few people joining us today. We have the lovely Amanda joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself, Amanda? Um, I'm Amanda. There you go. She yeah. is Amanda. It has been confirmed. <laughs> we have Danielle joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself, Danielle? Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. And uh, yeah, looking forward to an interesting discussion with everyone here today. Yep, so Danielle is a fellow counsellor therapist person that works alongside me and Lydia. And Lydia, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. It's lovely to be back for another fun discussion. Fun discussion. That's maybe an expectation that is already too high. Um, (laughs) um, And Amanda is my housemate who... uh, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who happens to be married to me for uh, many years, uh, several years we have been married for. <laughs> for tax purposes though, right? Tax purposes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are doing Donald Trump today as our client to discuss. So what are our thoughts on the, this particular client so far? It seems like he has a lot of defence mechanisms. Defence mechanisms? Yeah, just a lot of um, a lot of avoidance there of wanting to take responsibility, and it seems to he seems to be struggling quite a bit with that. So you think Donald Trump struggles to take responsibility? Yes, yes, I do. Oh. It seems to be very apparent in the podcast as well. 
this is groundbreaking stuff. What do you think, um, Danielle? Does do you, do you find in your um, reflections that Donald Trump is someone that struggles with responsibility taking? Um, was that responsibility or accountability, Lydia? That you're thinking he's struggling with taking? Um, actually, accountability is probably a bit more accurate. I would say, yeah. What is so the I difference? I feel like the two can kind of go hand in hand. Well, it seems like, you know, he gets kind of a bit high on the idea of the glory of the responsibility or the power. Maybe those two are kind of tied for him, but the accountability that usually goes with that responsibility is not something he is open to. He likes mm. to take credit for things that have gone well and passes the blame to someone else <laughs> when something's gone badly. That does tend to be his style. Yeah. What, what is the, okay, Lydia, what is the psychological makeup of somebody who does that, who will take, respons sorry, take responsibility for, uh, for everything that's going well, even if they weren't actually responsible for it, <laughs> and then um, palms off everything to someone else when uh, uh, yeah, it's not looking too good? Oh, gosh. Um... I don't know if I can provide a very detailed answer to that or if there are specific answers. I think a, a lot of people who just feel very uncomfortable with taking the blame and perhaps it has to do with maybe personal experiences that they've had um, struggle with that. Though there is, um, not sure if anyone else has heard about the book Donald Trump's niece um, who does not like Trump wrote about him, <laughs> but apparently... <laughs> She wrote a bit about some of the family dynamics in Trump's family and how they were a bit of a, a critical family. So I mm. find that interesting. So who knows if that played a role. What are your thoughts, Danielle? Well, it seems kind of like he has, you know, such an incredibly fragile ego that mm. he can't bear to be seen as wrong or bad or anything. And um. that like, being fully well aware well perhaps he's not fully well aware that it's so blatantly obvious to the outside the outsider you know someone else looking in can fully see what he's doing mm. he, he keeps up this ruse I'm not sure if it's for other people or maybe even as if it's for himself to just maintain that those hits against his ego that he can't bear to have and it's really interesting now I suppose talking about him like, you know, he's an extreme example of that, but also many people, I suppose, who do come to therapy or for counselling, if they have this issue, it can be a really challenging spot for the therapist then to balance mm. to challenge them because then quickly that can, you know, push someone away so that they can't seek that help. So it's, mm. it's a fine balance you've got there, Tim. Yeah, and, and in the actual therapy session with him, we get into, you know, why it is that he doesn't take responsibility for things or that accountability um, for things. And he talks about how his father would only ever accept him as a child when he was successful. So he learned to, yeah, basically put a positive spin on everything so that he would appear successful to his father, get that approval that all the kids want, like all kids want from their parents. Um, and that maladaptive kind of way of gaining approval has then carried over to his adult life. 
and then people get a gut full of it that you know he's always trying to put a positive spin on things and and take credit for stuff and all the rest of it i wonder if you noticed that that what he's done there is past that responsibility again he's said oh yes i have this because of my father Mm. so he's not actually taken oh yeah <laughs> for accountability for that yeah you know, like an inception that extra level mm. of um yeah responsibility buck passing yeah because yeah, I, I wonder if he's um treated his children the same way yeah he, he has expectations mm. for them to be brilliant all the time so they might do the same thing imagine having donald trump as your father how um, awful would that be? I don't think that's a nightmare that most people would want to engage in. <laughs> but, you know, when you think about it, there's, you know, he has a situation where he dehumanizes people and objectifies them in order to mm. see their value or worth. And mm. when he talks about his own daughter, he's saying that, what's her name? The Ivanka. When he talks about his daughter, he's, there's no kind of, paternal stuff that's caging those mm. statements in the past, something about he's basically said something about how if his daughter were older he'd be wanting to have sex with her or something when she was around I remember that. yeah or like if he if she wasn't his daughter then he'd want to date her or something um i don't which... even think he caged it in there if she wasn't my daughter i think it was just caged in the the age thing and you think about mm. that and you think that that's really just seeing someone as an object and their mm. worth is objectified and it's it's not a healthy or normal or adaptive way of thinking mm. about mm. Well, what i think is really not uh, really interesting with it is that because he's obviously grown up well become famous in almost like a hollywood kind of setting like that he's on the apprentice he's on um home alone he's on saturday night live so he's in that kind of film sort of industry where they do value um, looks and, you know, they do objectify people. So it seems like when he's kind of looking at success now, uh, just like how we're hypothesising that, he he probably um, learnt to look at success from his father. Um, Now he's looking at success in his children to see if they're acceptable. And the big thing that he's learnt, is that, oh, yeah, in Hollywood um, or in film, you're acceptable if you look really pretty. And, you know, then he emphasises this whenever he's talking about her worth. So it just seems yeah. like that's kind of playing out with his own kids um, just in different ways. Yeah, but you can also look at, you know, that situation of, like, you know, growing up around film and, and that situation and think, Arnold Schwarzenegger's done some amazing things and Mm. look at him like obviously there was so much pressure on looking a certain way and creating an aesthetic and the amount of effort he's put into that is you know obviously far more than most people are willing to do in terms of going to the gym and living whatever life he's living Mm. in order to achieve that aesthetic but yet he's now doing some amazing things for the country and I'm not actually 100% sure what he's achieving, but I saw something in the new... (laughs) He's got good vibes about him. Yeah, he's got the vibes. I saw something coming up recently on the New York Times about something good he's been doing. And, you know, so (laughs) 
but then I wonder actually whether that's a male to female thing with Trump that you know how a man doesn't perhaps have to look a certain way to have worth whereas a woman does and oh. about power and money because he's never made those comments about his sons where it's like <laughs> oh yeah you know if I was a single female like I'd snap him up or anything like that like it's yeah, he objectifies the female, like the daughter in his life, and then um, not so much with the males. I wonder how much time Trump has had to spend time with his family or actually be there as a father. Mm. Um, it, you know, how much, you know, warmth and care there is there for his kids, you know, as being his children versus as being kind of um, future people to carry on the name that mm. he has. Mm. yeah yeah that's an interesting point about the name I suppose there's a lot of you know the name goes on a lot of things doesn't it and that's you know I suppose we have children you know partly you know we we love them they love us we nurture them and bring them up but they're also a legacy and then Mm. you know for him flashing his name across everything you know Trump Towers and stuff that name Mm. is kind of again objectified rather than yeah bringing up someone to be their own little person and go Mm. for how do you think this kind of plays out in the therapy session so he's presenting because he wants people to like him and then he obviously you know is is desperate to get approval from the media desperate to get approval from anyone with an opinion i guess um but when it comes to his family if he's an absent father it's almost like he's not getting the approval that he needs from the people that he should be getting it from. Instead, he's yeah worrying about what strangers think of him and neglecting what his own family think of him. Like Melania, obviously, you know, you don't need to be an expert with body language to realize that. She doesn't really like him. <laughs> she's he's probably not high on her um, approved kind of person list you know um but so he's seeking all this approval and want everyone else to like him but yeah what do you think about that dynamic um i think it kind of goes back to something we were saying earlier about that ego threat to him because mm. he's it's almost like he's a caricature of, of social media or something that he doesn't like he, it doesn't really matter that he thinks melania is trying to kill him by trying to kill him <laughs> and you know stashing away his tissues that's not really that big of a deal he's like all right she knows me really well she can't stand me that's okay whatever but he <laughs> after the thumbs up on on facebook or the random people to attend his inauguration and it's mm. you know he's wanting some portrayal out there that everyone's going to buy into because the threat of people actually knowing him and actually liking him for who he actually is mm. is too terrifying so he would rather just people like him but not necessarily him having to change doesn't matter so he would rather people like a fake him than um know the real him that is that kind of what you're meaning or yeah like it's too scary to actually share the real him and be vulnerable enough to go this is me this is who i am like me or leave me and realize that the people who are going to go hey i really like you is worth a lot more than having 10 people who go, hey, I really like you, but it's not actually the real version of him. 
isn't that like the internet generation though where you know it, it's more about how you're perceived online um and getting all this random approval than maybe the people that are close to you actually approving you and and i know south park did an episode once where mm -hmm. they had um oh the the girls in the show were getting photoshopped pictures of themselves and putting them online and um yeah so they were getting photoshop pictures of themselves putting them online and then they were like i think stan or something one of them was basically going like oh look how hot my girlfriend is and showing them this photoshop picture of their girlfriend um which looked completely different from their real life version um and all the guys were like oh she's so hot and everything like that and she was like supposed to be like the ugliest girl in school and everything but she just got a really good photoshop picture so it's almost this idea that because you know you get all your philosophy and all your insights from south park so it's almost this idea that um yeah there's just so much emphasis put on how you look online um and how much approval you're getting from that fake persona and your real life you doesn't matter it doesn't matter that there's a hollowness there it doesn't matter if there's these personality flaws and it seems like that's the sort of dynamic with trump that he just wants widespread approval um and yeah the real life trump like he sounds imagine the real life trump like imagine having that as your father imagine actually trying to have a relationship with that um and what you're saying is kind of like yeah well he doesn't care about that he'll neglect that and emphasize the widespread popularity mm. What, what do you think he's trying to fill? What sort of void is he trying to fill then by gaining that widespread approval from strangers? Well, I think, I think he's probably trying to fill a void of always being defective and feeling that he's mm. unlovable because he's probably never had much love from his family of origin growing up. And mm. you know, when that happens, developmentally, people embody that and it becomes like a shame thing they feel defective and so if that's something that's happening with himself he's trying to get that approval and fill up some bucket that will never fill up because you can't fill it up by putting out a fake version of you and getting that attachment and connection and approval or some kind of is, sense of being is this, okay is this trump just being bpd well yeah Defectiveness schemas, I wonder if they can happen in narcissism too, because there is a there are some forms of narcissism where it's driven by insecurity as well. And you try to overcompensate by um mm. you know putting on that facade. Well, I think it's more so with like in terms of like how BPD will um kind of try I don't know, like so they'll try to get safe relationships like with a therapist or with a support worker or something like that, but then genuine close friendships or relationships feel threatening almost because it's like, hey, this person's just going to get to know the real me. The real me is really horrible um, and they're going to reject me. So I'm going to reject them and go to the safe relationships where I can control, um, you know, that sort of presentation. So then you've got Trump, you know, he sort of fits into that but, but idea. Trump doesn't seem to be threatened by Milani, you know, clearly showing signs that she doesn't want to be near him <laughs> either. Maybe he is. Maybe he's there up late at night 
thinking, God, Melania hates my guts. Um, she's just hidden more COVID disease tissues <laughs> in my pillowcase. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's becoming really apparent. And then he's, so he's on Twitter reading all of the retweets and nice things that people are saying about him online. Like maybe that's his solace. He's, he probably sees, you know, back to that objectifying thing, he sees Melania as his wife and he has her. So he's not too perturbed maybe by the fact that she kind of wants him dead maybe. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily think he was BPD and the whole like, you know, having that fragile sense of self or weak ego. I think that would be a narcissism thing and that like often I've seen, or I think pretty much I've only conceptualized narcissism as actually of incredibly fragile ego and defectiveness thing and that mm. narcissism and exterior being a, a front for a really weak self-concept or sense of self-worth mm. is yeah. that, is that, have you seen something different Lydia no I think I would agree um and you know both narcissism borderline even histrionic personality disorder which is characterized by that Lying. real big need for approval and attention and to get in any way possible. I'm not saying Trump shows that, but he, he kind of falls onto, you know, just those general cluster B personality traits. Yeah. Cause isn't histrionic histrionic is um, they lie a lot with histrionic, don't they? Lie, manipulate. Yeah. They do what they can to get the attention mm. and recognition that they're wanting. I wonder if it's histrionic. Even negative attention as well, I'm pretty mm. sure. So it doesn't always need to be positive. And, you know, some of the things Trump will tweet, you have to think surely if you were to stop and read this, you would know this isn't going to end well. Mm. So it's either that there's kind of like no filter through his mind or um, he doesn't maybe care. What do you think yeah. about... Donald Trump's personality and his relationship with his wife, Amanda. Well, I think going back to the whole show business, you know, Mm. media personality thing, I think he likes getting attention Mm. and he does and says things that will get him the most attention or entertaining more than what's necessarily true or what's, you know, the Mm. best thing for him to do. I think he knows that it's not always good attention obviously some people are going to agree with him but there's going to be people that disagree with him as well do do you reckon this is what's going on like he is actually legit an artist like an entertainer (laughs) and this is a whole bit and his his goal right now so that's all i can say and his goal right now is just to get it is to entertain as many people as possible get as many cameras on him, get be on the world stage and, and do this bit where he's just trying to entertain and he's just doing whatever he needs to do to entertain and get those views. Well, there's probably few people in the world who don't know who he is, if yeah. that's his goal. He's doing a really good in job. In terms of making himself known to yeah. as many people as possible. Yeah, it's kind of um, like that fight for relevance and you know I think I've heard about that and like you know the Columbine shootings and things where the idea is that you know if you've gone and shot up a school or something you'll 
kind of have your name known forever mm. it's that kind of idea of maybe that infamy is is worth it somehow that legacy or something um but yeah I mean I don't know in terms of you probably know more Lydia about diagnosis or stuff but I thought he would have been more like antisocial personality disorder mm. I don't know about antisocial personality disorder there's definitely a lot of people would say the lack of empathy but usually with antisocial you see things like real hostility aggression um destructive behavior aggressive behavior though people always say not everyone shows that side and especially a lot of the part sorry smart people um like the stereotype of psychopaths on wall street as well who have antisocial personality disorder wouldn't show that side so what makes you think antisocial what makes you think he's not hostile or aggressive or destructive well, he hasn't hurt anybody. He hasn't hurt a place. Everybody no, talks about how reckless. Everybody behavior. talks about how placid he is and how good he is to get along with. Look, he's not. You know, I can't imagine Trump in his teenage years. I'm just thinking of oh, some thirteen-year-old Donald Trump out there murdering cats and dogs. Around, <laughs> you, know? Like, you know, starting those like fights on the street, which is what you typically. I, I guess well, I think he would have been watching the other people fight and telling some guy to fight another guy for him. He wouldn't have been. No, Donald himself. Trump would have been there after the school, after school, telling other kids that you know don't go to the school about how he was the one that won the fight. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yes, and it was a tremendous fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or he would have been the one who was giving the guy some kind of like drink or something, being like, this is really going to help you. I'm going to charge you 10 bucks for this drink. It's going to help you. <laughs> Knowing it's going to make the guy sick and then betting on the other guy to win and being like, I have just made bank on both sides. So the, the alternative explanation is that he doesn't have a personality disorder. He doesn't have any mental health issues. And he's just really, really... Um, lacking in intellect and has found himself in a certain situation <laughs> where he doesn't know what the hell to do. And it's almost oh, another South Park reference where they're trying to um, get economic policy to deal with the GFC. And the solution yeah. is to, have you seen this one, Lydia? Yes, I have. The Margaritaville one. Oh, and, that's wrong. And to find out what the next move is with their policy, they have a big round board with different options written on the ground <laughs> and then they chop the head off of a chicken and throw the chicken onto the board and whichever option the chicken just lands on is what they go with. So maybe there's a chicken, a headless chicken in Trump's he's mind. He's probably got a similar system, I'd say. Yeah, a headless chicken in Trump's mind that's flailing about and, it, like, it just happened to land on build a wall to Mexico, um, you know. I don't know how else he could have come up with that idea. <laughs> but, like, we can talk until we're, like, blue in the face about how crazy he is and all the rest of it, but what do you guys think in terms of how far can he be helped with therapy or can therapy help him? I think he needs to want to get help. What do you, um, this is a, an interesting point because it brings up, you know, when client goals don't fit therapist goals. So right now mm-hmm. he's presenting as I want everybody to like me. And mm-hmm. as a therapist, whenever you get somebody that says to you, why won't everyone just like me? 
instantly as a therapist, you think, oh boy, you can't have everybody like you in life. That's just not a realistic goal. But you almost got to kind of play along because as soon as you tell, if a client comes in in the first minute, they're saying, oh yeah, I want everyone to like me. And you're like, no, that's not possible. Then they go, well, screw this. <laughs> you know, you're not going to help me with what I want. So there's this balancing act to go, okay, well, how do I get this client who wants an unrealistic, impossible goal to a place where they have a goal that is achievable and is realistic? I would look into what the need is there. Why do they need everyone to like them? And um, if most more likely than not, there's perhaps an emotional need that that was never met during their earlier need. Earlier he, he, he does talk about how in session about how he wants to feel loved because um, he values love and care. And did he get that loving care in childhood? Well, he got it only as being successful, only got that as attention when he was successful. Yeah. And that's what you work on in therapy then. Yeah. How would you work so, on that? But what would you say your when you're saying that the client goals are different to the therapist goals, you know, what would you say your goals are for Trump? Well, something achievable and something, I guess, that reflects values. So if his value is to have more love and care in his life, well, he's not going to achieve that by getting 50% more likes on Twitter. Um, you know, he's going to get that from actual genuine connection. Brings mm -hmm. you back to that point you made earlier about, um, yeah, missing that genuine connection and almost like feeling hollow as a result and then seeking it elsewhere but then having that bucket that doesn't fill up, like you said. Mm. But I wonder, you know, if you can kind of use his goals that he's wanting. He's wanting more people to like him. Mm. And as responsible members of society and human beings with care and compassion, we want him to stop being an awful person. <laughs> um, Just dial the awful down at like 10, 15%, yeah. you know. Yeah, just take from 10 down to maybe a seven okay? yeah um, you know so we want you know that's kind of what we're thinking of but then also I suppose those two things actually do match up you know like if you want more people to like you maybe stop being such a dickhead <laughs> and maybe that would align well with values then because if he's valuing love and connection then he has to make choices um that can best give him positive connection, love, and um, those value-driven choices as well. So, like, yeah, you're saying, Danielle, don't be an awful person, but treat people well, treat people with love and care, and then maybe you can get that back in return. Yeah, or if it's, if it's as shallow as he wants social media likes, you know, if this is his short-term thinking of this is what's going to make me mm. happy, social media likes and the rest of it, how about he does something nice but see this is the thing isn't it so if he's caught up in the idea that love is um the same thing as attention because that's how you know he was a successful as a kid so then he got attention from the father what he really wanted was love but didn't get that got attention instead so he knows how to get attention while he portrays himself as successful lies to be successful takes other people's credit you know when it comes to other people's successes plays them off as his own so if that's what he's now going for 
because he doesn't know what actual genuine love is like, then it's going to be a hard sell for him to, for you as a therapist to go, okay, well, stop being a, a dick and do stuff that's actually makes you more genuinely lovable because the stuff he does as a dick actually gets him attention. So, you so know, this is the right attention that he actually wants, though. Well, it gets him a lot of approval. But it's the it's, empty bucket thing again, right? Because he keeps going for it again and again, and it doesn't seem to kind of be keeping him full. Yeah, but then getting a client to recognize that. How would you get a client to recognize that, hey, this way of coping, this way of fulfilling this need is really hollow and it's not actually filling your bucket? Because meanwhile, he's there going, no, I just need more likes. I just need more views. I just need more attention. But don't you think that like right now he's said and done so much awful stuff that it's kind of not really a thing anymore? Like everyone's kind of got outrage fatigue. Perhaps if he actually did something nice and sponsored a woman's refuge and donated a million dollars of his earnings to a woman's refuge and... I don't know, did something really nice for a bunch of people who needed some support and was actually quite shocking. He would get a lot of attention of talking and discussion. There would be people going, is this a new change? Is this genuine? Is he just doing it for attention? Whatever, he's done this really nice thing. Should we accept it from someone who's been misogynistic and, you know, done some pretty awful things to women and made decisions that are horrible? Or when when you look at his supporter base though and like not all no we're making generalizations obviously not all of his supporters are the same some people are just fair enough sick and tired of the political um dynamic over in america and just want somebody anybody to do something different um so you can kind of get where they come from some of them but then other supporters um they're 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 the sort of people that yeah, they, they don't really care about the whole women's refuge thing. They don't really care about, you know, Donald Trump being nicer and more lovable. In fact, they would approve him more if he was more hardline and more right-wing and, you know, mandated that everybody has to carry a gun and, you know, shoot immigrants as they come over the border. You know, like there's there's these sorts of people that, like that's what he's been doing and it hasn't been working and now he's in therapy. He's he president. What do you mean it hasn't been working? Like, he's president. But it's it's coming to therapy because he wants more people to like him. So mm. what he's got right now isn't enough. So rather than continuing to be a prick, perhaps if he just did something and tried being nice for a bit. But how, how would but you say that to a client? How like do you him. tell a client not to be a prick and be nicer to people? I, I get what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I think some people, like no matter what he does, some people are going to approve of what he's doing and some people mm. are going to disapprove. So if he does something that's so different to what he normally does, he's probably not going to have the approval of a lot of people that he currently does. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's probably what's holding him back. Yeah. Back to the attention thing. He will have, he will capture people's attention again. Attention and approval, I think. True. But if he's linking approval or love to attention, Mm. then getting him to do something good for attention would, it would be more on our news in Australia if he did something really nice rather than if he just said something awful again. It'd be like a dog driving a car, <laughs> wouldn't it? Or like 
a cat flying, it would be very noteworthy, wouldn't mm. it? Exactly. Mm. Trump. He went an hour think, without being racist yeah. and, and prick. If that happened, though, everyone would just assume that it's a fake news story. No one would believe it. That's true. So even if he was to genuinely do something like that, I'm not sure that it would really play out because a lot of people just wouldn't believe that it happened. But, like, you, you think about, like, the world stage, like, there's a lot of really popular people that got popular by being pricks like Putin he has a massive approval ratings in Russia and he's a prick that's because he just killed off anyone who yeah but this is even amongst the people like even after killing off people he still gets approval so it's it's a hard sell because you're trying to get him to buy into your version of approval when he's actually got a lot of proof that his version of how to get approval is really valid because like he's living it he you know i think that the people who support trump though you know they have a lot of strong um values and it's just ideology around things like you know strict immigration and low taxes and low spending and all of that so all the awful things that he might be doing people genuinely approve of it and like it over there because of their far-right views. And I, I, might, I wonder if it's the same with Putin as well in his country, if there are some people that just, I don't know, genuinely like his policies. Yeah. Which, uh, imagine being in America mm. and not sharing any of these views because that's the majority over there. Like, the he didn't win the popular vote. So you're living in a country mm. where these views are forefront and you're your political system is reflecting it, your judicial system is reflecting it. How much would that suck? I think I think people are quite, like, separated into their little pockets, though. You know, like, I think mm-hmm. if you live in California or New York, you're not bumping into many Trump voters, and the Trump voters that are around have the sense to keep their mouth shut. And I think if you're in somewhere where they do support Trump... Um, yeah have the good sense to keep your mouth shut about your democratic views because it's just yeah, and then you so when you look at you know the effect of the internet and social media and the way algorithms work you end up only being exposed to people that agree with your views so yeah. you know trump again would be exposing himself to people that only agree with his views and it's that um what's that uh challenger disaster what's that a org psych effect that you get from um groupthink is it i don't think it's groupthink but i do remember learning a bit about how when you even read information that conflicts with the information you hold it kind of polarizes your own views or something Mm. along those lines it reinforces what you already believe anyway so how the hell do you deal with a client like trump then like motivational interviewing You would use the similar techniques that you would use with a lot of resistant clients. Um, motivational interviewing, you would just, a lot of Socratic questioning to get him to see that the current path he's on isn't working for him. Um, okay. And gently. Oh, so you're turkey, talking about, um, what's that? Something hopelessness um, in ACT. Creative ho- hopelessness? Creative well, hopelessness, yeah. So Is that a term Russ Harris made up himself or is that a legitimate act 
term because anyway i don't know <laughs> so, um creative hope so that's about what's working for you is that well creative hopelessness term? is where you kind of you don't challenge the client and you just go with it until it gets to that point where they realize how hopeless that train of thought is. So it's not going, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be trying to get more attention to fill this void. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's going, oh, okay, so I'm getting lots of attention, you know, what's that doing for you? Oh, well, you know, it's really good, makes me feel good about myself. Oh, okay, how long does it make you feel good about yourself for? Oh, not very long. And then that's your, your creative hopelessness point where it's like, okay, now they've reached that point where they're hopeless with that way of going about things. And now that they're hopeless, um, they will be open to something new, something different. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. Like as well, like exploring what things he would be willing to change because he's coming to therapy. He's saying people don't like him. So he wants something to change. So mm. what in his is he actually willing to change so what are the options we even have to work with to start with yeah so not going to change a whole heap of stuff then you're going well something's going to have to change from what you're doing trump because you want your situation to change mm. and coming back to what you were saying danielle about trump feeling defective if he has a defectiveness schema then you would really want to explore that because if those beliefs and early experiences are at the at the root of why he is the way he is, why he wants all of this attention, then you would want to explore that and rescript that. Yeah, I'm not sure he has the um, capacity for such an intervention. Mm. He passed that Alzheimer's test, so he's pretty. He's very. Um, he's like a very smart person, Danielle. I think he's too fragile and wouldn't have the necessary insight to like it's, withstand such an intervention. I, I imagine his um his maladaptive coping mechanisms, like the things he turns to, his knee-jerk responses to protect his ego is so entrenched and where where know, is the unconditional positive regard for your client where you have so much faith in them? He's not my client, Tim. <laughs> Because, you know, it is a, I would find it um, quite a struggle to find some shared humanity and some empathy for. This is therapy for monsters. It's not humanity you, you, you're dealing with. You're dealing with monsters. I don't work in the monster arm of the clinic, though, Tim. <sighs> I usually deal with the, the victims of the monsters a little bit more, but, <sighs> you know. Your clients, Tim, <laughs> monsters as they are, are all deserving of dignity, respect, and compassion and care. But there you go. Challenging job to give it, Tim. So hats off to you. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely note to finish it on. I think we're yeah. going to solve all of the world's problems with this um, with this <laughs> podcast and, and the next session. So thank you, Lydia. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Amanda, and thank you to myself. Just some, um, you know, self recognition there. A little bit of a pat on my back, um, and uh, yeah. Until next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.